Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. And welcome to Overnight America. All right. That's kind of a weird intro, as they all seem to be somewhat welcome to uh, really another nice day we had. I really thought that this was going to be a little chillier, but it was another day where I can go outside with a t-shirt and still not be that uncomfortable. That's not too bad. Got a big show planned as we always do. And we're going to actually be hooking up with someone in Australia this hour. Oh, so 8.30 PM in Aus- uh, here in St. Louis is 10.30 AM in Australia where our guest is located. So we're going to talk to, uh, someone that's, uh, Really big into internet culture about influencers and anti-influencers. It almost sounds like medical terms, doesn't it? Two things I wanted to bring up real quick, and you can find this at KMOX.com. Special prosecutor pick for case against St. Louis couple. And I heard the clip there, the clip mentioning, at least we'll get a fair shake finally. The fair shake would be to drop this. There's no reason to continue on with this. There's no reason to take a vindictive circuit attorney, someone that's out there and politically trying to score points and continue on with what their wishes are. I think this special uh, prosecutor that's going to come in and look at this will hopefully dismiss this quickly and not have to play and drag this out longer than it needs to be. And it continues to be dragged out. He was a U.S. attorney in St. Louis uh, for seven years or so, was a circuit judge and a prosecutor in Cole County. He's probably seen a lot of different things. I think reasonably speaking, when it comes to the McCloskey case is what we're talking about. The McCloskey case, if you're on your own property and you have a mob of people who have burnt and broke and stole and assaulted just within the last couple of days, come right through your private property and a private gate and a private road, there's reason to believe that you as a homeowner and as an individual would be threatened uh, and being able to say, hey, back off to say you are armed and you're ready to defend yourself um, in the fashion that they decided to do it would be enough to drop this case. And I hope that happens here pretty quickly. I hope that we don't have to drag this out. The McCloskey's have been harassed enough already, and I just hope this doesn't continue on any further. Another thing I saw this is over on KSDK. Father says daughter was left outside Farmington daycare and below freezing temps. And I'm looking at this video and this poor little girl is out on this small deck outside of a door of a daycare. 
not shoveled, by the way, so you can tell that they weren't intending to let anyone outside this area. It's not like they were letting the kids go out and play, and this is before all the snow started to melt away. Uh, concerned parents saw this and said, oh, that doesn't look right, little girl. She's not wearing a jacket, and it's really cold. You know what kind of temperatures we had there for a while? When the snow was out there, this isn't something that you'd be able to trust a child out. This was a, this was a terrible story. I feel guilty that I trusted him with my little girl. Bishop says a parent was driving away from the daycare when she saw his daughter standing alone on the center side porch. The woman took this cell phone picture of the little girl. The mom. Yeah, I look at the, the picture. I look at the uh, video and there's the poor girl standing there uh, freezing. And if it wasn't for someone to say something, she might have died out there. It's not unrealistic to think that a three year old who doesn't know what to do in a situation like that, confused, you know, someone maybe lit her out there, but probably not. She might have found her way out there, but no one noticed she was gone. Uh, that's not good. I mean, what kind of checks and balances are in place at some of these places? So the father said, you know, thank to, uh, you know, praying to God and said, I wanted to thank that this woman saw this because if it wasn't for her intervention, that my daughter could be dead today. Um, below freezing temperatures outside for about 15 minutes. It's at the First Steps Daycare in Farmington. Not the best publicity for First Steps Daycare in Farmington. But the parent uh, luckily saw this reported and saved this kid's life. The dad, not too happy about it. The First Steps Daycare, apparently they tried to reach them several times, did not get an answer. They said they contacted child services to let them know what was going down. This really does find yourself a, a scary situation because whenever you drop your kids off anywhere, tell me in the back of your head as a parent of a young child, this scenario doesn't flash by. Isn't it weird when you're a new parent? It was like this for us. When we had someone watch our son for the first time and my wife and I were able to get a little bit of alone time just to go out to dinner alone, uh, it was strange because we thought it would be liberating. We thought it would be and one of those deals where we would just feel the relief off of our shoulders. We can finally relax, let our hair down like we're sitting in a bubble bath and just enjoy it. So it's the opposite. You keep thinking, I wonder what he's doing right now. I hope he's doing OK. Everything. All right. Maybe I should text them. You, you worry more than anything else. You shouldn't have to worry about this when you're at a facility, which you're paying these professionals to take care of your children. And I don't know how this one's going to go. We've had all kinds of issues with daycares. Remember just a couple of years ago, there was the daycare fight club where one of the kids recorded this happening, where the kids were fighting and the workers were cheering this on daycare fight club. Uh, and there was also the issues. Was it just last year or was it two years ago? I'm trying to blank on the timeline where there was uh, someone that was uh, involved with sexual assault. And this goes back was it two years? It's amazing. We've had so many terrible daycare stories in St. Louis. What in the world is going on with daycares here, honestly? And it scares us, you know, myself and my wife, because we don't have family here to watch children. So we are lucky to have a nice system of friends if we ever need something. That's not a problem. We have good neighbors, things like that. But if we, I look at this and say, man, I, I wonder if we would ever do a daycare situation. We would stop whatever we were doing if it meant the scenario called for a daycare. That, honestly, I, we're just too nervous. I, I feel like that as a parent now. Maybe that changes after a while. Maybe after you have a couple of kids, 
everything just smooths its way over and you don't have to have that anxiety. But man, I even looking at this video, I feel it. All right, so coming up in just a couple of minutes, I saw something posted about the new COVID bill that really got me very upset of all the junk that they're trying to slap into this thing. Apparently, Republicans are trying to come up with another bill. So it, it might not be a foregone conclusion that this $1.9 trillion gets pushed through. But you're not going to believe this wasteful spending, this one thing that they snuck in there on page like 300 and something. And it has to do with something that benefits federal workers, but not you, not anyone else. We'll talk about that. And Crystal Aberdeen is an associate professor of Internet Studies at Curtin University in Australia. We're going to go live to Australia in about 15 minutes, which is super exciting. Hope you can join us for that on Overnight America KMOX. Listening to KMOX has never been easier. Siri, play KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight America. I'm really excited to go to Australia here in 15 minutes or so right after the weather at 8.30. That'll be pretty cool. We'll talk about influencers and anti-influencers, whatever that means on the internet. You've probably heard the term, oh, I'm an internet influencer. Someone going around bragging about themselves. <laughs> A lot of people feel that way. All right, so real quick, I wanted to bring this up. Uh, paid to stay home, coronavirus aid bill pays federal employees with kids up to $21,000. This is part of the $1.9 trillion stimulus package that the Democrats are trying to push right now. And it looks like it could go to a vote in the House, probably down party lines, which means that if it goes down party lines, it'll pass, go to the Senate for more debate. But what happens at a, a situation like this when the Republicans are trying to get something in there that is not this, and rightfully so, they should try to cut back on all of the a useless useless money tagged onto this that's just out of control. You keep hearing this number, it's less than 10% of this $1.9 trillion directly impacts COVID and the rest of it. Let me give you some examples of what's included on this bill. A $15 minimum wage, again, does not fight COVID. Uh, $300 million to monitor animals for COVID. So I guess that if we're really worried about animals to human spread, which we're not because um, that's not the cases and that's not how it spreads. There's a $300 million to out the drain there. 91 million to the department of education. Why? Cause they may use it to evaluate dropping student loans, $135 million for an arts endowment, 135 million for a humanitarian uh, endowment, $200 million for libraries all of which does not fight COVID, $1 billion for a campaign to advertise vaccination. Um, I don't know if a billion dollars is necessary when you get all the free publicity period everywhere you look. Is it really necessary? So what are you going to do? Are you going to pay that to celebrities that are friendly to your organizations, um, is, or your cronies? Or what are you going to do? How's that? $1 billion? Are you kidding me? $50 million could be used for what they call uh, health services, which includes abortions. So you could have taxpayer money going towards that. $750 million for global health. That's not even here in the United States. We're talking globally. $15 billion for the airlines. Now keep in mind, the airlines got a bailout last year during the big COVID bailout. Uh, so they already received a lot of money. They want to put $15 billion more in there. Public health surveillance, uh, half a billion dollars for that public health surveillance so they want to put money in there to i don't know keep an eye on you and make sure you're doing the right i don't know what they're going to use that surveillance for don't like that so here's the latest thing that they decided to hide in the bill and this is important 
they're going to make it so that federal workers who have kids, okay, or dependent, so it doesn't necessarily have to be kids, it could be anyone that lives in their household or someone they're responsible for, are eligible for 600 hours of additional paid leave. That's $1,400 a week. This is on top of all the other benefits that a federal employee would be able to get. So keep this in mind. You as an individual, if you're looking at this and watching from home, I'm sure you are, you'll get a one-time payment of $1,400. If you're a federal worker, you can get 15 payments of $1,400, and you don't even have to work. You just get to stay home and take care of your children for that. 15 payments of $1,400. So they already have their paid leave benefits. They already have their sick time. They, they already have their unpaid leave, which would still guarantee they keep their federal job. All of these things are in place. And then they're going to add in 15 additional weeks where they can stay home and have zero obligation to do their job. This is only extended to federal workers. And it only is extended to federal workers who have people inside the house, kids mostly, that they want to stay home and take care of during this pandemic. So they're just guaranteeing, I guess, that the pandemic is going to last and they're going to force even more shutdowns in the future because if that's going to be the case. And think about this, too. Of all the money that they're going to be setting aside for this, the additional 15 weeks, they're going to have to hire someone else during that time because the services are still needed. So what does that mean? They're going to hire someone else? And bring them in, temporary workers, and spend even more money that way? This is concerning. How much do they have to jam in there before we say enough is enough, honestly? Enough is enough. There has to be. And part of this with the kids staying home, it's not even that the kids have to stay home. Parents can opt for the kids to stay home. There's no stipulation that the kids have an opportunity to go to school. It's that, hey, they just even if they don't want to go to, they don't have to. There's no stipulation if they have to be a minor, meaning that they don't actually have to be a child. So if you got a college kid that's still home and they're doing virtual classes or a high school kid who's still home and would be just fine, is responsible enough to be inside the home without your parental supervision 24-7, doesn't matter. You can still sit home and collect the federal paycheck. This is something that they put into page 300 and whatever into this bill. Um, it's sad that in the House, as they get ready to pass this next bill, this is the type of stuff they jam in it. $570 million to extend family leave with no stipulation that it's actually necessary for them. They just have the option of using it. Oh, buried on page 305 of the House bill that was put out late Friday night. This is a joke. This needs to be stopped. There needs to be someone to stand up and say, no, enough's enough with this. Enough jamming in all the stuff that don't matter. The stuff that doesn't actually have an impact in fighting COVID. Why can't we at least agree on that? Why is this uh, something that's not a bipartisan thing? When Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer or any of them stand up and say, well, we need to make sure we spend a billion dollars to advertise that vaccines are available. You kidding me? You mean if, 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 if it wasn't already being advertised for free nonstop every single day on every news station, on every music station, on every website, on every magazine, if, if, if it wasn't already the thing that is dominating all these things, what are you going to do above and beyond then? And how is that going to be spent? And where is the money going to go? As if we look at this and say, yeah, uh, we need to put an endowment for the arts. We need to set $135 million away for the arts because, wow, you know, we really need to uh, jam in for uh, humanitarians 
Um, we need to really put money in for a library system additional to whatever they've already received. And this is on top of some of the things that they've already proposed for the schools. Now, no one's arguing that schools could use a little extra money as in to help prepare for this. And they've already received a lot of money. In fact, they've already received their full amount that they would receive for the school year, regardless of uh, the, the, the attendance. Then on top of that, they received even more. And on top of that, they received even more. And then in this one, they want to put even more into it, except the other day when asked about it directly, Press Secretary Jen Paskey was asked, OK, how is this money going to be used? She admitted, OK, not even this year. So you probably won't even get that money until 2022 for the schools. This is a package that was talked about the last couple of months, finally getting through to get a look at it. And if you're talking about immediate relief, and we know that in the future, they're going to try to push even more of this down the line because they realize they can shove this down the throat. And all they have to do is dangle a little $1,400 check in front of your face and say, look at this, you as a individual, why don't you don't look at the man behind the curtain? Just take this $1,400 check and be happy with it. Don't you like free money? Don't you like it? Oh, here it is. Here it is. Take it. Think about everything you can do with that. And then you have Joe Biden out there saying that, oh, this will pay for all your bills until the summer. Yeah, right. <laughs> The federal workers are getting additional benefits. American people are not. The federal workers are being rewarded here. Average, everyday people that are actually trying to work for a living, that are actually are, um, impacted by all of this, who don't have job security or anything else, those are the ones that are getting just table scraps, and they're just taking care of everything else. It's It's garbage. This is unacceptable and this needs to be amended and this needs to be changed uh real quick before we go let's go to dane welcome to overnight america hi ryan how you doing this evening good to hear from you dane well listen uh, you now you said as the federal employees get fourteen hundred dollars a week six hundred hours of additional million. paid leave so six hundred hours spread out over 15 weeks so that average is out to fourteen hundred dollars a week for 15 uh payments yeah you know what? That, that comes up. To, well, I did the math on that. Fifteen times four hundred times fourteen hundred. That's twenty one thousand dollars. Yes, it is. I mean, I wish I had twenty one thousand dollars. I was telling you, put this, it, I think you and me need yeah. you, me and him need to split that. Yeah, this is not in addition to what they're making. This is what they would be making. So they don't have to work for it. They don't have to put any hours in or any effort towards it. All they need to say is, "I have someone back home I need to take care of." That's Boom. Not right. They get fifteen. They get fifteen weeks of paid leave at fourteen hundred dollars a week. Twenty-one thousand dollars without working for it. That is not right. They don't extend that well, to anyone else other than well, federal I'm, workers. I just had to call in and comment on that. Now, are they going to still? Issue the uh, individual fourteen hundred dollar checks for the for the other for the common people. Yes, common. I like that. us common people, Dane. Yes. So the stipulation of this bill is that I if you're making less than seventy five thousand dollars, go work for the government. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> this is we ridiculous. Have a good night, Ryan. I, I had to bring a laugh to your system there. I appreciate it. Thanks, Dane. Us common people. Yes, us common people is right. Uh, it goes to show, do they really care about you? Honestly, you know, they, they make it look like they care about you enough, but not more than the federal worker someone that's already being taken care of. And 
it's so broadly written. Anyone could request this if they have someone that's dependent on them. They don't even have to have a kid in school. It could be a preschooler. They just had a baby. They came off of, well, I think it's three months. Are they allowed for parental leave, paid parental leave? The federal government gets that. I'm pretty sure it's three months. So this would have been great. You know, maybe you just had a baby. You already got three months off paid. And then, hey, you need to take care of that baby. Here's an additional 15 weeks on top of what you just received paid for by the tax dollar. They're going to have to hire someone else to do the job. This is this is too much, all right? This needs to be pointed out how the government thinks you fight COVID. It's so wrong, the amount of things they're jamming in here. All right, so coming up right after the break, what is an influencer? What is an anti-influencer? I saw this one article on Vice the other day, and I thought, you know, let's talk to someone that studies the internet and internet culture. So Crystal Abedin is going to join us right after the break, live from Australia. So cool, right? We'll take a look at your weather coming up, too, on Overnight America KMOX. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart... Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all-star closer kenley jansen we have a question what's the best podcast of all time Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Cardinal Spring Training is underway in Jupiter, Florida. And KMOX's Mike Claiborne is covering it all. Hear his daily reports, mornings and afternoons, and on Cardinal's Open Line. Sponsored in part by Norm's Bargain Bar and Wilkie Windows. On your voice in the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight America. She's an associate professor of Internet Studies 
at Curtin University in Australia, author of Mediated Interfaces, uh, The Body on Social Media, and The Rise of the Influencer and Anti-Influencer. I saw this one article in Vice. Crystal Abedin joins us live from Australia. How are you? Hi, Ryan. It's really, really nice to speak to you all the way from the future and time. You're so right about that. From the future. Mm -hmm. We had a guest from Israel last week, and our producer, Mike, asked if he can get advanced sports scores, being that that person was living in the future. Um, I thought it was a funny joke, but the the guest did not laugh at that, so that one kind of failed. I do, however, um, see that it's nice that you're joining us in the morning in Australia. (laughs) It is. We have survived the night. 25th February is still looking pretty okay here. Oh, not bad. I I like the idea of Internet culture. A lot of people have studied and have tried to learn Internet culture. Um, Some people have tried to take advantage of Internet culture. And I saw this one Vice article and you were quoted inside of it. The rise of the anti-influencer influencer. So Mm -hmm. I thought about this as my audience. Normally, I look at the demographics and I think, okay, they're probably at an age or maybe they're past their time when they paid attention to internet culture. It's like, you know, it's an afterthought to them. They use it for the internet for other things. And I thought maybe it'd be a good idea to bring someone on to talk about this type of culture, try to explain it to them so they can understand the headlines and things when it comes up. So can you kind of explain to us what is an internet influencer and why there is a rise of an anti-influencer? Sure. Maybe to put things into perspective, let's first consider this concept of an internet celebrity. An internet celebrity is basically anyone, anything, sometimes these are also your very lovely household pets, who have high visibility online. But the origins of this visibility and the moralities attached to these visibilities can differ. So some people go viral online for great reasons, helping out a fellow neighbor. Some people go viral for a scandal or causing a scene. Some people go viral because they have exhibited maybe a very talented skill. They've got exceptionalism. While others, maybe they're just really beautiful, gorgeous, cute, or fluffy to look at. There's a whole variety of reasons that people gain visibility online. The matter of the fact is, if you've got high visibility online, that makes you some sort of an internet celebrity. Now, a smaller group of these internet celebrities parlay this fame and are able to promote themselves long-term on social media to monetize this. These are likely the people we know as influencers. Primarily, what they do is to share snippets of their lifestyles, their habits, their backgrounds, their everyday happenings, really, across different social media platforms. To build a, a rapport with their followers and audiences. And once they've got a really good and solid audience, they then monetize this by using their lifestyles as a canvas to embed all sorts of different promotional messages. So you might be familiar, for instance, with YouTubers selling us makeup, Instagrammers promoting a restaurant, People on Twitter may be um, promoting a political ideology. So the idea here is that they are endorsing and promoting something, trying to persuade you to make a decision about a thing based on that visibility and rapport that they have with you. So that is the influencer. So in the past, before, it would be some celebrity that was in a movie holding up a soft drink or something like that. But today's world with the Internet, it could be them just trying to get you to clink, click a link or buy makeup or whatever it might be. It's, it's very similar to that sense, except the range of things that they could be pushing or promoting could be 
anything at this point. That's absolutely right. But there's also one bigger factor to keep in mind. So celebrities are mostly people who have already honed their craft and acquired fame through some sort of skill, acting, singing, performing, and we know them in the mainstream entertainment industry. That is their day jobs, and if they're popular enough with the public, they might do these sorts of endorsements. Internet celebrities and influencers, though, these tend to start at the grassroots level as everyday, ordinary commoners like you and I. So there is an, an, an element of allure and attraction to watch someone rise to fame, to feel that by watching them, subscribing, liking, following, commenting, you're contributing to building up that fame that they have. Also, because they're everyday people like you and I, when they persuade us with specific messages and ideologies, we are more likely to relate to them and believe them. An example I always give my students is if a big shot celebrity like Angelina Jolie tries to sell me skin cream, I'm going to have these impressions that she probably already has a perfect regime, she's amazing, she's a really healthy person, and maybe that works for her because she's just more superhuman than I am. But when an influencer does it, if there's someone who goes behind the scenes, talks through all their troubles, their struggles with maybe acne or dry skin, and I can witness that transformation from an everyday commoner, then I am more persuaded that surely this thing must also work for me. So that relatability of the ordinary person, that's very important. Yeah, that's interesting. Today, when they do studies about celebrities, it seems like internet personalities, depending on your age, if you're under the age of like 20, the top 10 celebrities that you know of might be internet celebrities. And if you're over the age of 40, you probably don't know who those top 10 are or 50 or whatever the age may be. It's, there's just <laughs> like this breakdown where the, who, what people look at as influencers or celebrity or whatever it may be, uh, it's a different world depending on how old you are. And I wonder with a younger generation who is so much into this sort of culture, a lot of them strive to be influencers. They want to be internet famous. They want all of that for themselves and they think they can do that sort of thing. Does that play a factor when they feel like they're a part of it? Like it's almost like maybe getting into an influencer's world maybe makes them feel like they're a little bit more into that world too? Well, that may be the case for some young people who are doing this because it's the thing of their generation, their cohort, or because they do desire that fame. But I think a more fair assessment would be to consider the variety of young people who are using social media visibilities for various causes. So many young people who spend a lot of effort to make a viral TikTok Instagram posts or YouTube posts often already come with a cause that they want to support. It is not uncommon for these to be causes related to their personal identities, their own background, something they really believe in. Um, and sometimes when they meet like-minded others and come together as an online community, they might just want to spread more information about what it's like growing up like them, to find mutual social support, to find others like them, or simply to just include more diversity and inclusivity in their social media diet. So I would say that not every single young person does this just because they want to get famous online. Who's the most famous person in Australia? Do you pay attention a lot to American celebrities? Oh, for sure. So my research requires me to always be on top of my game in the Asia Pacific region. And for that reason, I focus a lot on cross-cultural comparisons. 
In Australia, really depending on the genre, the age group and the demographic that we're looking at, there are dozens of top influencers. My personal favorite um, is an Instagram influencer known as Celeste Barber. She is um, middle-aged, a woman who is so good with comedy. She parodies influencers, um, their body image, the way they address their perfection. And she somehow also manages to use all of her visibility and fame online for philanthropy, charity, promoting various social causes. So I think this is really breaking the stereotype that influencers are just young, rich women doing vain things online because <laughs> certainly above and beyond that, there is such a great variety of these behaviors and practices. Wow. I probably know some of the big names. I have not heard of her work before, but just sometimes large YouTubers find themselves in the news and I'll read about them. I may see them on trending and I might kind of have an idea who they are, but really don't know what they're all about. And that's interesting to me to see millions of views in the things that people do for them. And then sometimes the philanthropy uh, that, that is associated with it. Like one YouTuber, Mr. Beast is known specifically for that. He's always like, you know, giving stuff away, planting trees and all this stuff. So sometimes they do cross over into the news. And I don't think a lot of people realize that there are people doing good with the power that they've acquired. Now, consequently, there's also people doing bad things, like things that you would never want to associate yourself with in the past. Um, that seems to happen a lot, too. For sure. I think we have to remember that the newer cohorts of Internet celebrities and young people are literally born into the Internet age. So I'm a millennial. I remember learning to use my first computer when I was six. I learned to use my first mobile phone when I was 11. But young people these days, kindergarteners, they flip through iPads, they go through magazines and try to swipe left and right. Technology and immersion in internet culture is just something that is of their generation. For that reason, though, we also have to remember that the types of images and messages that they experience are coming at them at a greater variety and at a greater speed. So one of the main consequences of this is that our thresholds for what causes outrage, for what attracts our attention, for what makes us question morality is also shifting. It would be that 10 years ago, maybe an influencer um, in a bikini or a male influencer who's um, bare-bodied showing off his abs might be causing controversy, even in the Asia-Pacific region. People might be heaping lots of unkind comments on them. Today, though, there are different movements along the lines of body positivity. There are different moral boundaries and thresholds for what's acceptable in general society. And few people would bat an eyelid if we were to come across these images of people who are young adults anymore. So yeah, the shifting boundaries certainly allows us to understand why some influences keep trying to come up with ways to break the moral code, maybe intentionally engage in scandal, to attract attention, or maybe just to even kickstart public conversation about what's allowable in society. Wow. So you've released a few books. Uh, Mediated Interfaces, is that your most recent one that you released? Mediated Interfaces is my fourth book. It's a co-edited collection together with two of my co-authors, Katie Warfield and Carolina Canberra. It's a really nice collection of essays from scholars around the world about how people present, perform, and use their bodies differently on social media. 
So if people wanted to look that up online or maybe any of the work that you're doing, what's a good place for them to uh, go to? Most of my research lives on my dedicated academic webpage at wishchris.com. Mm -hmm. And there you'll also be able to look at um, our fifth and latest book, Looking at Tumblr. Maybe those of us who are a little bit older might remember the glory days of Tumblr that used to be really popular in the 90s and the 2000s. Certainly there's a lot of nostalgia attached to the blog as a format as social media has become more important. And that was a really fun exercise to review the history of this platform. Great. So do you mind holding on after the break? I'd love to keep talking to you about internet culture. For sure. Happy to be here. So what, a couple of things I, I want to ask you about after the break. Um, I, I think about when I was younger and just, everything's so much more complicated now when it comes to things of pop culture. Maybe I'm just more aware of what goes on and I was just more you know, naive back then and it didn't really uh, hit me. But is it sustainable? Is it healthy uh, for the young generation to idolize the influencers? And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. And it's hard for parents even to keep up because they don't know what's good or bad. There's drama. There's all kinds of things that go on. So uh, what's rewarded, what's not rewarded? It's a crazy world anymore. And it's good that we have you on tonight. Joining us is an associate professor of Internet Studies at Curtin University in Australia, author of Mediated Interfaces. And Chris Talabadin will join us right after the break on Overnight America KMOX. This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com on KMOX. Oh, this is real fun. Crystal Abedin is an associate professor of Internet Studies at Curtin University in Australia, where she joins us tonight in Australia. And she's the author of Internet Celebrity, Understanding Fame Online. Thank you so much for spending time with us tonight, Crystal. I appreciate it. No worries, Ryan. It's been so fun chatting so far. Very happy to continue this. Yeah, I feel like life is so much more complicated today than it was when I was a kid because I think about what it was like to grow up before the Internet and the Internet was just starting to come up. And I I remember when one of my friends got the Internet and I was so like blown away. I was begging my parents, please let us get AOL. They'll give us 500 hours free. We just have to tie up the phone line forever. And then eventually, you know, it became more common. But um, I look at the way people soak in internet culture. And if I was of that age, I would have definitely have done the same thing. I was so enthralled by what was being given to me on these websites for free and the entertainment and the, you know, talking to friends on messenger. I couldn't believe what was happening here. But then I think about all the different things that are also welcomed in, you know, as a parent, I think about what my kids are going to have to go through when they become old enough. And then they're going to want to become part of this culture too. And I think, you know, back then, at least there was a little bit of it seemed a little healthier. But today it seems like there's so much uh, things that are brought in. It doesn't seem sustainable for keeping anyone's health, uh, mental health or any type of health in mind. So I, I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Today's Internet culture. Is it something that we should be concerned about? Well, I think Internet culture is not a monolith. It is so diverse, so it really depends on exactly what we're looking at. I am, of course, aware that there's a lot of discourse and perception that social media addiction or being online all the time is not good for young people and their health. But, you know, the same really can be said also for adults who might be plugged into our computers at work all day and then we go home and we're plugged into a television or a phone all night. Um, and I think sometimes when we focus only on young people, we forget to reflect on ourselves. But seeing as how it is my job to research the 
less studied aspects of internet culture. I'm also really happy to report that there are very good users of social media and online communities among young people that have helped them. So a case in point, many marginalized young people, sometimes from LGBT backgrounds, sometimes adoptees, sometimes migrants, people learning to live with a disability, often find like-minded others online and they strategize, pool resources, commiserate, and find support among each other. And this may not have been possible without the internet and social media allowing us to connect across space and distance. So we sometimes forget that there are really a lot of benefits that have fundamentally changed our society today. I wonder when it comes to large mainstream entertainment outlets, they seem to want to capitalize on the certain trends that they see. And at the same time, they try to imitate it, but they always fail. There's very few in the corporate world that can imitate it successfully and actually make it feel like it's a genuine part of Internet culture. So do you believe that mainstream news, mainstream entertainment will ever be a part of that? Or will that type of Internet culture always be five steps ahead of them? Um, well, I would say that we are now in an age of constant borrowing and pilfering. Um, a case in point, we just had a really lovely chat about influencers earlier before the break. Um, and it's not uncommon for someone to go viral and then for brands to immediately either replicate that act of virality or to immediately contact them to chat about endorsements, sponsorships, representations. So big corporations, the mainstream entertainment industry, jumping on the bandwagon of things that organically formed on social media is not new at all. At the same time, we have to remember that a lot of the logics of influencer cultures, a lot of the logics of social media visibilities are now being practiced in almost all aspects of life. Politicians are running social media pages and accounts to connect with citizens. Property agents are using YouTube videos to showcase their property. Um, and certainly here in Australia, as well as across the Asia Pacific, lots of journalists, reporters, radio hosts are making their own contents um, in podcasts, websites, newsletters. And a lot of these practices, the knowledges, the strategies for how to be seen online are borrowed from the influencer industry. I like that. So again, your book, if people wanted to find Internet Celebrity Understanding Fame Online, where can they look? Um, this is my first book that came out in 2018. It's published by Emerald Publishing. So if you put those keywords together, you should be able to find it. If not, I'm also online at richchris.com where you would see all my academic works housed. Which is great. And it's kind of uh, cool that as part of your job, you get to uh, do things like this. And I know you're taking time away from your job since you're in Australia. You're a day ahead of us. You're working. This is like the regular nine to five time for you. For us, it's like, you know, late time. Everyone's winding down, doing their own thing here in America. So I wanted to uh, thank you for joining us on uh, Overnight America here and connecting with we're in like 35, 36 different states here. So it's a huge pleasure to have you on. This has been such a joy. Thank you for having me on the show, Ryan. Crystal Abedin, you can find her online and do a search for her, but her book, Internet Celebrity, Understanding Fame Online, such a cool thing. We'll be right back. Uh, coming up after the break, uh, co-director at Stanford University about cybersecurity on Overnight America KMOX. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? 
Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.